is. Right, don't you? It's the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman. I am a certified plant-based nutritionist and personal trainer. Um, the website is mainlyplants.com. Social media across all platforms is at mainlyplants. Get a hold of me there through the website, or you can email me, ryan at mainlyplants.com. Uh, real quick, I want to get through the advertisements because uh, this podcast is a little longer because it's special. Um, first off, you have Syllabake. Um, syllabake.com. That's S-I-L-I-B-A-K.com. And what are what they are is the only company to offer 100% eco-friendly, recyclable, and non-toxic silicone bakeware. Um, they also have a ton of like different utensils, and if you like to to um, do like cakes and stuff, they have frosting stuff, like uh, like little frosting pouches that you squeeze the frosting out of. Um, they have no PBA, PBA, Jesus, BPA. Um, they're FDA approved. And they are um, non-stick, oven safe, microwave safe, freezer safe, dishwasher safe, everything safe. Um, they have so many products. It's really amazing. If you're kind of on the fence of, of whether or not to use silicone bakeware, here's what I suggest you do. Go to the website. Again, it's syllabake.com. And just go get like the cheapest thing that you think that you'll use and see how you like it. Um, they're all priced very, very reasonably. So you really don't have anything to lose. And especially if you use the discount code MP20 at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. So it's worth just checking out. It's a lot safer than using like um, metal bakeware or nonstick bakeware, stuff like that, um, because that stuff can actually be toxic if you don't get the proper kind. The silicone bakeware that Syllabake has is really quality stuff, and they have really some amazing products. So check it out again. It is syllabake.com that's s-i-l-i-b-a-k.com use mp20 at checkout Uh, also as always lovegoodly.com they are a fast-growing women's subscription box with um, basically they have a mission to help women switch to healthier non-toxic vegan and cruelty free beauty and skincare products and you'll get four to five full-size products in each box which comes every other month so you're not rushing to use all the shit in your boxes they have two different kinds of boxes, the essential and the VIP. And if you use code word mainly plants at checkout, all one word, mainly plants, you'll get um, $7 off your first box. So it's And it's actually really worth checking out. They always value the boxes at more than you're going to pay for it. So for example, the essential box is always valued at over $85, but it's only $29.95. And you can cancel any time. So, Check it out. Uh, they sent me a box to, to check out. I mean, obviously, I don't use um, makeup and stuff. I'm not one of those guys. Uh, but uh, they really have some cool stuff. So check it out. Can't hurt. Mainly plants at checkout. Again, that's lovegoodly.com. L-O-V-E-G-O-O-D-L-Y.com. Last but not least is Viome. Viome.com. And you're going to hear it referenced throughout this podcast. Um because the guy that I'm interviewing and talking with, Dr. Stephen Berry, actually is their microbiome expert over there. And you'll kind of hear what I mean. But at the end of this podcast, trust me, you're going to want to sign up for Viome. If you use code word plants at checkout, you're going to get 50 bucks off your membership. Um, so again, it's viome.com, V like Victor, I-O-M-E.com. So let's get into it. This week, I spoke with Dr. Stephen Berry, and he has dedicated 
more than 30 years of his life uh, researching and analyzing the microbiome and gut health and really how it affects your entire body and your overall health. And it really blew me away, some of the stuff that he was talking about. Now, I tried to be quiet as much as possible. I wanted him just to do his thing, so you might not hear from me a whole lot. But if there's one part of my podcasts that you share with a friend, you know, family member, neighbor, whoever it is, you know, obviously it should be all of them. Thank you. But make sure it's this one. Make sure that you really pay attention to this. Make sure that you remember some of the information and share it with people and share the podcast because it could really make a big difference in people's lives. So without further ado, here he is, the man himself, Dr. Stephen Berry. All right. So first of all, uh, just thank you for your time. I think that this is going to be uh, very beneficial. Um, You know, I talk a lot about the microbiome and and gut health, uh, you know, with clients and with listeners, but Mm -hmm. having it come from somebody like you is going to be outstanding. So if you would just kind of start off, can you give give us kind of your your background in medicine and how you came to focus on the microbiome? Sure. Um, so, uh, do we, so we want to start now? Yeah, just, we're going. Okay, good. Yeah. Hi. Hello, uh, <laughs> uh, Doctor. This is Doctor Stephen Barry, um, and I wanted to share a little bit with you about. Uh, my journey uh, related to the microbiome and uh, starts off as a physician in private practice in the 1980s um, and understanding, realizing that most laboratory tests uh, didn't, un- didn't help us understand the underlying pathology of what was causing the diseases, but rather just measured pathology. And I started to search for a better understanding of how we could evaluate our patients um, in terms of really what was the cause of their, of their symptoms, their chronic diseases. And it turns out that back then there was some uh, just beginning information um, based more on history and anecdotal information uh, about the importance of the, of the microbiome. Um, and from there, uh, I ended up uh, founding a clinical diagnostic laboratory called Genova Diagnostics. And one of the first things that we were involved with was evaluating um, uh, people's uh, stool, uh, understanding the digestion, understanding um, inflammation, understanding um, the microbiome, and how that all related to to disease. And um, that was back in the '80s, and and started wrote some of the first uh, papers on dysbiosis and leaky gut and uh, SIBO, and uh, and developed lab tests for all those uh, kinds of. Um, uh, analyses. So what? So that was the start. What What made you look towards the gut and the microbiome? I mean, out of the entire body, what What led you to look there? Out of all places, I think it was it was really going back to just understanding, you know, from Hippocrates, you know, all disease begins in the gut, mm-hmm. and understanding what the Chinese traditional medicine thought about in terms of of, of the gut, and then thinking about how important lifestyle was, uh, and therefore what food we ate um, uh, was important to our to our health. So, uh, was this kind of like fringe work back in the eighties? This wasn't mainstream, right? Oh, it was very fringe work. Um, and uh, matter of fact, I, I can tell a story. I, I spoke in the early nineteen nineties at a, a very large American um, College of Gastroenterology convention 
uh, I guess about 8,000, 9,000 gastroenterologists. And they spoke about two things. They spoke about Helicobacter pylori as a cause of, of ulcers, and they spoke about um, the microbiome and leaky gut. And they were outraged that, um, that somehow the scientific committee had allowed me to speak before them. Because these, these concepts were, were totally uh, just wacko and they had no, you know, there was no, there was no basis for it. Mm-hmm. Yet, of course, there was basis in the literature. So wh- what I did is I did a lot of reading. And in, in the medical literature, there, were, there was research um, about the microbiome and about the leaky gut. But nobody was paying attention to it. Nobody realized uh, the, the significance of it, hmm. and, and of course, uh, as has turned out, uh, you know now the entire world is paying attention to the microbiome. We can talk about that in a, you know, in a further part of the of the talk. Yeah. So, so that was in the '80s, and then, kind of, how did where did you go from there? Once you started, you know, doing your own research focused on that area. Well, from there, then Genoma Diagnostics was founded, and 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 that's the. Uh, now probably the world's largest functional medicine clinical laboratory, mm-hmm. um, probably uh, maybe 15, 20 million people in the United States uh, have done um, those kinds of functional medicine tests. And by functional medicine tests, we're talking about um, laboratory tests that allow physicians and, and patients to understand what might be at the driving, uh, the, the foundational functional part of uh, their condition. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that grew and grew and grew, and, and, and as more physicians um, uh, adapted it and more research was done, it all of a sudden became uh, part of the, of the mainstream um, understanding of, of healthcare. So, you know, we both have, I mean, talked independently um, about how important the, your gut health is in the microbiome, but I think the, the biggest question and kind of the, the umbrella of it all is why? Why is gut health so important? Well, it turns out, and this is all really new information in the past three or four years, that, that those of us involved in the beginning of this never, uh, I think, would have imagined um, the significance uh, of the microbiome. Uh, it turns out that the, this amazingly complex e- ecosystem uh, in our intestines um, is involved in uh, virtually the cause of every chronic disease, it's involved in how healthy we are. It's involved in our brain signals. It's involved in how we think, how we feel, um, in a in a not in a minor role, but in a major role. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned how we feel. Uh, we know that serotonin and dopamine are are, are the, you know, the brain hormones that, that determine our our mood if we're depressed or not. It turns out that ninety percent of the of those neurotransmitters are actually manufactured by the gut, that's, by the microbiome. That's fascinating. So. So by those neurotransmitters, you mean the actual serotonin? Correct. So how yeah. does it, how does it get then get dispersed throughout the body from there? Um, it sends uh, well, the gut-brain connection, gut-brain axis, as, as we call it, um, is connected in two ways. It's connected in through the the vagus nerve. So actual metabolic signals go up the vagus nerve right into the brain, and then is sent. Uh, and then the other way is through uh, through the bloodstream. Hmm. So, so what I mean, so what you're saying is that the way that we, I mean, a lot of people obviously equate to how they feel physically to what they eat, uh, as opposed to other factors. You know, if they eat a cheeseburger or you know some greasy stuff, they're going to feel run down. But you're actually saying that that what we eat plays a role in our mental capacity as well. 
Correct. Um, the microbiome is implicated now in virtually all cognitive diseases, whether it's Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, depression, um, uh, autism, uh, ADHD, uh, etc. Is all the microbiome is implicated as a primary factor in it, not just a causal relationship, right. okay, but a primary factor because of the uh, metabolites that they produce or don't produce, because of the inflammation um, uh, mediator chemicals that they produce or don't produce. So, so, so inflammation you know, involved in, in virtually you know, all chronic diseases, um, and one of the main pathways that causes inflammation starts in the microbiome. So just going off of that, you mentioned ADD and ADHD. Um, in, I mean, in your view, would you say that that's a result of, of you know, the average, this, you know, the, the average American diet um, becoming more and more, you know, crappy for lack of a better word, would that give rise to, you know, these, sure. these cases of ADD and ADHD that we're seeing and, you know, the overprescription of Ritalin and, and all that kind of stuff. And you're saying yeah, that, absolutely. That, that's directly related to our food. Absolutely. Huh. So, um, I mean, let's go, let's, let's make sure the audience understands, um, uh, what we're talking about, we're talking about the microbiome, uh, and then we'll get into how it, and how it affects uh, affects us. So the microbiome is referring to all one-celled organisms, bacteria, parasites, uh, viruses, phages, and fungi. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they live the entire planet. Uh, they're they're a um, a necessary part of the ecosystem of our Earth. They live in the air, the water, the soil. Without this ecosystem, we, there would be no life on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, they also live uh, on all animals, inside all animals. So in human beings, they live in our skin. They're involved in our aging of our skin through uh, inflammation. Um, they live in our ears, our nose, our eyes, our mouth. Uh, each of those places, they're very much involved in the, from e the ecology and health or uh, ill health of those um, parts. What we're particularly interested in is the um, the microbiome that live in our GI tract, and it turns out that there are, for example, over 8,000 species of bacteria that live there. Um, they have there's a uh, hundred trillion cells that live there, uh, only 10 uh, trillion uh, human cells. So there are 10 times more um, huh. microbial cells that live in our body than human cells. <laughs> And there's actually a hundred times more uh, genetic metabolic activity from a gene, from a gene point of view of those uh, bacteria than our human uh, genes. There is growing research uh, theories that suggest that um, much of what we do is at and think is at the microbiome's whim. So we're doing it for their own purposes. If you're out of balance in the microbiome and you have bacteria. That, that like to feed off sugar, that's why you go and say, ah, that donut looks pretty tasty right now. <laughs> um, when you think about it, why does someone want a donut? It's just not some you know random thought that, that, that came into the brain. Actually, it turns out that certain bacteria are sending a signal to your brain saying, I want something sweet right now. That's kind of freaky to think about. Well, we're yep. just, we, you yep. know, a lot of our actions are at the whim of, of these other microorganisms living inside of us. There, there, there are some new theories supported by evidence that that 80% of our brain uh, activity is controlled by the microbiome. Wow! So only about 20% independent thought that we have. <laughs> but it, it's the microbiome saying, "Go there. I'm hungry. I'm tired. Uh, you know, 
uh, you're not treating me right, so you're going to be depressed, um, <laughs> etc. Wow. And, and so going back to to the, the question about about our diet and, and the very poor, uh, you know, standard Western diet, um, is we have two factors happening. We have a lack of diversity. So the average uh, American um, uh, has um, uh, a lot less than 8,000 different species. So when you have a lack of diversity, you have a less stable microbiome. Mm-hmm. You, a, uh, increased diversity is associated with longevity um, and less chronic disease. So our diet, by not having enough fiber, by you know um, uh, eating processed foods, by eating bad oils, have um, uh, decreased the number of, of, of bacteria. And by the way, it's not just that some are healthy or, or, or some, are, some are unhealthy. It turns out, I mean, that was what we used to think, you know, three, four, five years ago. Mm-hmm. It now turns out that really it's the ecosystem that's important. It's how they interact with each other. And in one case, uh, this bacteria might be healthy. In one case, it might be unhealthy. So you can't you can't just identify a bacteria and say, oh, you have too much of this uh, bacteria and say that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. It turns out that's not the case. So it's the it's, it's the, the the mix of it or how they interact with each other. They interact, yeah, and they actually communicate with light signals. By the way, <laughs> I know. Wow, um, they flash those um, uh, light signals back and forth, and 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 they and they communicate from species to species. So, it's not, you know, so they communicate. One colony is is talking to another colony about what to do and and uh, and go over there for the immune system attack uh, that's happening or with light uh, signals. With light signals, like like phosphorus, and, and like, also and also and other um, chemical mediators as well. Holy jeez, that's yeah. blowing my mind. I so is, people, is it... people may not realize that that uh, most of our body's immune system activity takes place on the gut wall. You so know, when we think of immunity, we think of oh T cells, you know white blood cells, etc. Actually, it's mostly taking place on the on the lining of the gut wall. Which is why, if you eat healthy, you don't get sick as often. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, so, so there are lots of reasons. So eating healthy, so you're getting more of the proper nutrients, mm-hmm. right, um, to feed to feed uh, your body and feed your cells properly. And equally as important, besides the nutrients, you're also then providing the right environment for a healthy microbiome. Does quantity of food play a factor in that as well? Mm, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... So in your, you know, you're talking about diversity and not having a fiber. So what what would increase diversity across the board? Is it just having, you know, a varied amount, you know, different kinds of food, or are there certain types of foods to stay away from? You know, aside from you know, obviously processed oils and processed foods, but but on a whole food spectrum, um, are some worse than others? So let me answer that three ways. Sure. <laughs> so the first way, just in general, one one could say, okay, we have one, you know, on the one hand, we have the, the, the obviously bad things, mm-hmm. um, via donuts and processed foods and, you know, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we know we have foods that are going to be healthy for us in terms of the phytochemicals uh, that they contain. And we have foods that are going to be healthy for us that in terms of the, of the fibers. Um, for in terms of a prebiotic that they contain, so that will help with proper digestion, help with proper transit time, will help feeding, help uh, feed the proper um, uh, uh, bacteria uh, mm-hmm. in the gut. 
So you have those three aspects uh, of it. And, and, you know, the old rainbow way of picking, you know, look at your meal, it should have all different colors in it. Right. Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty, you know, it's pretty obvious that most people what a healthy diet is, whether they do it or not, is something different. But, you know, uh, whole fruits and vegetables, less processed foods, you know, lower the amount of, uh, of meat someone's eating, um, less dairy, you know, uh, more nuts and seeds and mushrooms and uh, alternate, alternate uh, protein sources. Um, you know, most anyone say, yep, that's a healthy diet. Yeah, you know, and, and shockingly enough, you know, being in the profession that, that I'm in, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's shocking to see how many people think they're eating healthy when clearly they're not. Um, right. You know, and, and I actually just, the last episode that I did on the podcast, I was talking about, I don't know if you've heard of Sean Baker, who did a carnivore mm-hmm. diet for, for 15 months and published his blood test results, and, and they were, you know, astounding. Um, and, you know, he made up every, which, every excuse under the sun to kind of swing um, in ways that they could be good. You know, anybody with half a brain would realize that they're not good. Um, right. but, but it's just amazing how many people think that they're eating well when truly they're not. Right. So, so this brings us to the second thing I wanted to mention, which, which kind of uh, ties into something that, that uh, I'm currently involved in, um, and that is, uh, it, and this one might be kind of intuitive, um, and that there is no universal healthy diet for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a new diet book written uh, every, every month. I've written some of them, and you know, whether it's keto or paleo or high carb, low carb, uh, vegetarian, vegan, um, high protein, low protein, South Beach diet, Mediterranean diet, um, <laughs> whatever you, you right. know. Uh, I remember there was the grapefruit diet a long time ago. People just eat grapefruits. That was a while. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so it, it, they work for some people, right? But they don't work for most people, which is why why they write a new book all the time. Um, and the reason they don't work for most people is not because they don't follow it. It's because of their microbiome. That diet was not suitable for their microbiome. So that's kind of intuitive that there is a universal healthy diet. But what's not quite as intuitive and, and it's more amazing is what a lot of our research has has turned up recently um, is that there's no universal healthy food hmm. okay so for example uh, i would recommend to people eat broccoli every day eat it three times a day right uh, the sulforaphane for its anti-cancer effects all the all the phytochemicals and polyphenols in it this is a healthy food right right well it turns out that 38 percent of the u.s population it's an unhealthy food and actually it creates a toxin which uh, because of that microbiome that they have at that particular point in time which irritates the gut the lining causes a leaky gut you can say the same about any food avocado kale salmon olive oil what have you okay it's not necessarily healthy for everybody at a particular point in time now, because of the microbiome and the way that it is. Because the microbiome. Is, is, so is correct. That, just real quick, is that is that to say that their microbiome is in bad shape or is it just? Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. Their microbiome is in a state of dysbiosis. It's gotcha. out of balance. Okay. Okay. So interestingly, there are, there are uh, at a particular point in time, there are foods for somebody, for example, um, that are causing a toxin and they should absolutely avoid, right? Then there are foods uh, uh, that aren't a toxin, but they're not providing the benefit to the person, which is maybe why they're eating it. So we take a look at pomegranate or blackberries, um, for example. They they contain um, some particular phytochemicals that 
we would think um, you know are very valuable in terms of antioxidants, right? So that's why people eat, eat those foods right. other than they taste maybe. It turns out in half the US population, while those foods aren't bad for them, they're not getting the value of the antioxidants that they thought they were getting. So if they're eating those foods primarily for a health reason, then they should make a different choice. I mean, they still may like the taste and the color and the flavor, you know, whatever mm-hmm. of it. But if it if they're not if they're eating pomegranate instead of raspberry, okay, uh, they might want to switch from the pomegranate to the raspberry in terms of getting their antioxidants. That's about hmm. half the population. Wow. So, and, and just to throw out something else that, that I think you'll find interesting um, for vegetarians, uh, it turns out that vegetarians have a microbiome which is shifted to actually produce um, branch chain amino acids protein Mm -hmm. from carbohydrates so everyone has that ability a little bit um, but the microbiome for a vegetarian who is maybe eating initially less protein sources from obviously meat and fish um, their microbiome has adapted to actually produce and convert uh, carbohydrates into short into uh, branch chain amino acids. So that and that applies to like whole food plant based people, hundred hundred percent plant. That's that's yep. amazing. So and that's Correct. that's all because of their microbiome. Correct. Yeah. So and another example of of the incredible um, ability to to adjust either in a, in a good way or in a negative way. Um, certainly, insults like antibiotics. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the one of the big causes of a disordered microbiome is antibiotics. And, and actually one course of antibiotics, oral antibiotics, um, disrupts the microbiome from one to three years. That's the latest research. We used to think a few months, and about four months ago a study was published that it, um, it disrupted for one to three years. And by disrupt, what do you, can you elaborate on what that means? Well, that means throwing it totally out of, out of balance. So now the foods that you were eating may be causing toxins. The food that you're eating and not giving you the the proper digestion and, um, and by one course maybe how long is that yeah, one course well depending on the antibiotic that's seven days you know for most antibiotics. right so seven days you know. can 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 totally screw your gut health up for three years yep one to three years oh yep. man and and, and and so now you besides having short-term effects right maybe you feel more tired mm-hmm. um, maybe you have some gastric disturbances maybe you're not sleeping as well because all this is related to the um to the gut microbiome um so you have short-term consequences, but then equally as important, you now have long-term consequences because you now are increasing your risk of getting these chronic diseases, whether it's diabetes or neurological diseases or heart disease, mm-hmm. um, liver disease, all start early on from changing that risk because of the microbiome. So it's an exciting, exciting, exciting. It's fascinating because it seems like it seems like like you said in the, in the past. I mean, at least for as long as I can remember. I mean, you've been doing this obviously much longer than I have, but it's really kind of exploded in the past couple of years. The emphasis on gut health and and the implications are much farther reaching than I mean I could have imagined. Right, and this really this really stemmed from um, uh, some equipment that was developed, um, sequencing equipment that was developed. Uh, uh, for the originally for the human genome project and and, and what came out of that um, and so now all of a sudden we didn't have to culture bacteria on agar plates um, which is 
you know, you can't, you can't do very many. You don't even, you don't know what's going on with them. Uh, now with the sequencing, uh, we can now understand and study them a lot more. So that's how it really exploded. And by the way, many of, of people that we would respect in, in the world uh, are talking about uh, the microbiome being the biggest healthcare revolution of all time in the next five years. In fact, Bill Gates was just at a at a, at a conference, a small gathering in San Francisco, I guess you know, two days ago, and gave a, a, a short talk. And and you know he's very much involved in global health, mm-hmm. with his foundation and all the initiatives. He said the number one um, both challenge and opportunity in healthcare is the microbiome. So so kind of expanding on that, where do you see this going in the next you know five, ten, twenty years? Well, I, I, I think actually these days things things all happen within five years. You, you know, you have to think about twenty years. Right. So we're going to everything so fast. I think what will happen in five years um, is uh, analyzing, understanding someone's uh, microbial function is going to be a common part of every office visit uh, that, that someone has. This will be a foundation um, analysis and understanding that a healthcare professional and uh, their patient and members of the public will will, will one will will do mm-hmm. and two um, we will then develop proper interventions um, based on that information. Similar. So right now the field is at the beginning um, certainly uh, and in five years uh, much intervention will happen based on uh, manipulating the microbiome. So much now, more. we're doing some things now which we can which we can talk about but but it will be involved in very specifically targeted. Um, uh, within within five years, some more personalized individual plans instead of these, you know, broad, uh, you know, recommendations basically per person. You know. well, yes, well, we're doing that. We're doing that now, um, you know, at, at Biome, but uh, by in five years, we're now talking about targeting, um, you know, specifically a very chronic disease. Right now, we're talking about from a wellness perspective mm-hmm. and lowering risks, you know, lowering risk in general, having people feel better. Uh, now, uh, in five years, uh, you know, name a name a disease condition, and there'll be a, a a very personalized, targeted approach that will center around changing the microbiome. And, now, and, and that's her, kind of what where Viome is starting now, right? Right, right. So interesting. Um, what what we're doing is pretty revolutionary, and we're actually the only only commercial uh, entity in the world um, doing doing what we're doing, and I'll explain why. So. If you want to understand what's happening in the microbiome, what's what's happening inside your GI tract, uh, up until a few years ago, there was one way of doing it, and and that uses this older technology called 16S uh, sequencing technology, and you kind of you kind of look to see what's there. All right, you're measuring the DNA of, of organisms that are there, of bacteria at, at a high genus level, so it's very low resolution, and you see. Okay, this is there, that's there, this is there, that's there, but you have no idea if it's alive or dead or if it came in, you know, because you ate some, some meat or some or some a plant food that had it on there. You have no idea, but more importantly, you have no idea if it's doing anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, where where are you located, Ryan? Oh, uh, Arizona, Scottsdale. Arizona. Okay, Scott. So so now, say you're in a, in a small plane flying over Scottsdale. Um, and well, this would be this would be a better uh, thing. Say, say New York. You're, you're flying over Manhattan, and you look down from the small plane, and you say, Ah, there's 60% women there, uh, 40% men, 
uh, oh, there's some old people, some young people. And then you say, oh, you know, there's a big crime rate in Manhattan. Manhattan has a very high crime rate. Therefore, the women must be the, the criminals because mm-hmm. there are more of them there. Right. Right. Well, obviously, you can't make that assumption. You know, that's an improper assumption. Sure. And that's the same thing that you would apply to the 16S technology. Okay. Because uh, you don't know what, what anything's doing. So then they developed something called metagenomics, um, which now we'll call whole shotgun sequencing. So now you're measuring um, still just the DNA, but you're measuring um, uh, higher resolution and you're measuring uh, not just the bacteria. So that gives us a better picture, right? But it's just data at that point, which is maybe in- interesting, but doesn't give anybody any idea of what it means, mm-hmm. right? In terms of health. It's just kind of a nice list of stuff that's you know in your body. So then you go to metatranscriptomics, which is what Viome does, and this is something that we're able to to license from uh, Los Alamos National Federal uh, Laboratories from the technology they developed. Um, I think they spent half a billion dollars developing this for bioterrorism purposes to understand if if something was introduced in the country uh, was actually you know, virulent and actually expressing itself. Mm-hmm. And we were able to modify it to the microbiome. So with this technology, we measure down to the strain level, so much higher resolution of what's there. We measure everything, the bacteria, the viruses, the phages, the fungi, the parasites, because it's this whole ecosystem working together, or not working together. Um, and most importantly, since we're measuring RNA, we're measuring the function of everything. So we can tell what everything is doing, what they're not doing. We can tell what pathways are being upregulated, like an inflammatory pathway. We can tell if enough butyric acid, a short-chain fat acid, is being produced. Um, we can actually tell what people ate and if they've exposed too many toxins, if they're if they're, if they're a smoker. Um, it's pretty amazing what we can tell. Yeah. But, but So now we're talking about understanding um, uh, what's happening inside there. And, and let me give you another example of why this is so this is so important. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with a company called 23andMe, um, very successful company, um, measuring uh, your DNA, okay, and they're measuring something called SNPs, uh, which are single nucleotide polymorphisms, which is a, a mutation on your gene, which everybody has. And if you take a, a 23andMe test today, and you do it five years from now, and 25 years from now, 50 years from now, it will be exactly the same. Nothing will ever change. These mutations don't change. They don't, they don't, they're, just, they're, just, they're just there. And all that's telling you is that perhaps you have an increased risk, let's say, of Alzheimer's disease sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. For most people, one, that's just scary, and they don't know what to do about it. And, you know, there's no nothing nothing to do. You, you know, So maybe 1% of people will adopt a different diet or change, meditate more or, or exercise more. To make a change right but then you have no idea if that's doing anything sure if you measured the rna like we do of the human genome then you now see okay today yes you have increased risk in the future but today you're now starting to express the chemicals that will lead to the alzheimer's in, in, in 10 or 15 years right now now you can say it's happening today so you're going to want to pay attention today and Equally as important, you can do some kind of intervention, that dietary intervention, uh, lifestyle intervention of some kind, and then you can measure again in six months and say, ah, look at that, these chemicals now are being expressed at a lower rate. So I've actually made a difference. Or they're not, and then you want to change your intervention. 
Uh huh. So, so, so that's, if, that's the power of what we do. And and if you could just give a quick rundown of the process from you know A to Z of you know from when somebody signs sure. up. Sure. So uh, you sign up uh, online. Um, you receive a kit in the mail. Um, the very simple instructions on collecting a very very teeny amount of of, of a stool of a fecal sample. Um, is a very very teeny amount. It goes into a vial. The vial contains a little solution which kills everything. So there's no there's no live bacteria or mm-hmm. parasites or fungi in it. It gets sent back to our laboratory in Los Alamos National Labs. You will have um, uh, scanned the kit into an app on your iPhone or your Android phone. Several weeks later, you get a, a notice that um, the results are ready. You open up the app, and there's a ladder artificial chatbot there, which helps walk you through the results. And the results range everything from information about your wellness index and your inflammatory index and your diversity index. Um, so you have a good idea of how you compare to the general population in these broad health categories. Um, you then learn what organisms are active and, and not active and why that's important. Um, and then after a number of other kinds of, uh, of, of valuable information like that, you really come to the jewel of what we do. And that's the recommendations of specific foods that you should either eat or avoid. So we, we talk about the beginning about intervention. I mean, data is, inf- is interesting, information is interesting, but what do you do about it? How do you use it? Mm-hmm. And what our, our artificial intelligence allows us to do is to evaluate the microbiome, millions of pieces of data for, for each person, um, uh, evaluate it to artificial intelligence and machine learning, and say, okay, these are the foods that you should avoid. These are the foods that you should eat a lot of. These are the foods that you eat a minimal amount of. These are the foods you should eat a moderate amount of. And by, by doing that, you're now going to increase your diversity, and you're going to change the, these, these pathways that might be upregulated, up turned on, or, or turned off when they shouldn't be. So if your inflammation pathway is turned on too much, contributing to inflammation throughout your body, through this very specific food choices, you can lower the inflammation. Hmm. Now, and, 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 and thereby, you know, increasing your mental health and just overall well-being from, from yeah. you know, all points concerned. Right. You're doing you're doing you're doing three things at minimum. You're you're changing how you feel today. You're going to sleep better. People report more energy. Um, people who actually were um, obese uh, tend to lose weight because of the lowering inflammation, even though we're not counting calories or anything. Um, so people uh, tend to have a decrease in, in many of their symptoms. Then you're decreasing your long-term risk for chronic disease, and you're increasing your diversity. So now you're becoming, you're, you're changing your, your microbiome to have to be more stable, so you can handle um, uh, insults to it uh, uh, easier in, in the future. Now, and as you, as you eat this diet, then your microbiome changes, and you can retest um, uh, three or four months uh, later, and then you find out if you've been following it that now your diversity has increased and the foods on your avoid list have decreased because now um, uh, now your microbiome uh, can handle those foods. So it's not it's not converting those foods into toxins. And your microbiome... You Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And, and foods on your enjoy list increase. And your microbiome changes what, within 24 hours initially? Um, well, it, well, it starts, it's, I would say, it starts to change in, in you know, in one to three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there, there might be changes right away, but it's still, you still, because you have low diversity, most people, it's going to be unstable initially. Gotcha. So it takes a while to, to change. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Actually, after three weeks. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, fascinating stuff. And, and, you know, the more that people catch on to this, I think the more it's going to be brought out into the mainstream. I think that, you know, a lot of people still don't realize uh, the the vast the vastness that your microbiome uh, controls. Um, I I mean I, w- I didn't even realize that eighty percent of your activity is controlled by your microbiome. That blows me away. Um, uh, and and what I think is is really significant is we talk about you know we use these terms precision medicine, personalized medicine. So that's exactly what we're talking about here. We're taking dietary choices and making them personalized and precision for each person. That doesn't mean you have to drop your keto diet if you're, or your paleo diet or, or whatever diet you're on, right? If for some reason your Mediterranean diet, your whole foods plant diet, mm-hmm. um, what it means is you now can make better choices within that framework that will maximize the effect of those diets. Uh, whatever your lifestyle uh, food choices are, you're now making them personalized for you based on your microbiome. And it's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you have, you have no idea. Right. Yeah. I mean, it used to be up to this point, you know, blood tests were, you know, the way to go. And aside from that, you're kind of just, you know, trying and failing. Um, but, right. but with Viome, um, you guys, it sounds like you guys are doing some really exciting stuff over there. We are very exciting stuff and we're learning, um, uh, new things every day, um, which are just unknown in the, uh, in, in, in medical science. Um, so it's, it's an amazing field to be involved in right now. Uh, I was going to say it's maturing from where it was, but it's still uh, at the beginning, even though we can provide such such um, important uh, shifts for people to make these choices in. Um, and by the way, our service involves, as we learn more things, we keep on updating uh, updating your app. Mm-hmm. So as we learn uh, more about the microbiome as it, as it relates to your particular microbiome, your recommendations might change, the information about um uh, well, how we can help you might might change as well. And, and before I let you go, I, I something just kind of occurred to me. Do you, do you think that with the advancements in technology, that in the near future or somewhere down the road, um, there will be a way to get sort of a live feed from your from your microbiomes, if, whether it's you know some sort of yeah. some sort of uh, you know nanobot that you ingest or something like that? Um, I mean, I would I would assume that that's kind of the way that it's going. Um, I think that's possible. I think, you know, the stages before, you know, physicians will have devices in their office or healthcare providers will have devices you. in their office to, to, to scan you and, right. and measure it, um, you know, perhaps real time that way. I think uh, that's what we'll see. I mean, there are devices that, that they're now developing that you can swallow with little capsules with little radio telemetry devices in it that can measure different things as they go through your GI mm-hmm. tract. So certainly if one goes out five years from now, we can see them understanding more about uh, what's happening with the uh, the transcriptome in the in the GI tract for sure. Freaky. Well, Dr. Stephen Barry, <laughs> yeah. uh, freaky I, but important. I, it, it is important, and, and and that's the thing. I mean, you know, as much as people um, don't realize it and and kind of shy away from it because they you know quote unquote can't give up pizza or whatever it is, um, it is super important because you know I always say you get one meat vehicle. You know your body in this lifetime, and the way that you treat it is is how everything else in your life um, is going to go. And if you have a sick body, right. you're going to feel sick. You're not going to do well. 
Um, if you have a healthy body, you're going to feel great. You're going to be more active. You're going to be more successful. So it all kind of starts with your health and that your health all kind of starts with what you eat. Exactly. What you eat. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, as I'm sure you, you talk about it, is what's the environment of how, of how you eat? Where, mm-hmm. where are you eating? Um, are you standing up and running around while you eat? Um, that all affects your, your digestive enzymes and, and everything else. So, uh, and, and it's, it's an integral part of how we feel and our risk of disease. So oh. it, it's just a fact. It's not anyone giving us some philosophy anymore. Not an opinion. Well, great. Uh, Dr. Stephen Berry, I really appreciate your time. I, I, it was enlightening and insightful, and uh, I, I hope we can have you back on the podcast sometime in the future. Happy to have joined you, and I hope your listeners have learned some things that will help them with their health. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So there you have it, guys. Uh, pretty significant and amazing stuff. I, I really hope that you that you took that to heart, and I hope, really, really hope that you um, remember some of that stuff and share it with people because – you know, I emphasize, and like we talked about uh, with Stephen, it really comes down to what you're fueling your body with, and what you're what you're putting in your gut, and what you're giving yourself to maintain proper physical health and mental health. So, with that being said, please go ahead and take the time to rate and review the podcast, share it with a friend, and until next week, my people, go eat a salad. <laughs>